Welcome to the Real Kipper and Bourne Show, number 167, morning edition. <laughs> I'm Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Josh Santos, our tech guy, and of course, the one and the only Sammy McKee. Shirtless. Oilers, Colorado, <laughs> 8 6. Did you have the over on it, JB? And how surprised are we? I mean, no, I'm not surprised. I did have the over. Like, if we had watched that game in September this year, we'd have been like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, they'll get it sorted out. Hockey doesn't look like that in playoffs. It turns out it can. All right, Sammy, I'll go to you because you are um, you are the uh, chief super fan advisor mm. here. Okay, was that... Was that fun to watch? Was that good? That was entertaining? Hmm. That was edgier seat stuff? Because I'm watching it, and I'll go to you, JB, as well, but I'm cringing watching this series, and it's <laughs> barely started. I, listen, I want to sit here and say, oh, you know, it's exciting. Play it like, oh, 7 6, 8 6 was the final 8 6. I got an empty netter. It didn't feel like a playoff game, boys. It felt like Tuesday night. In, in in January, I, I there was no physicality really. There was not a ton of defense played. There wasn't any goaltending. Like I like high scoring event hockey. It's fun, but when it gets to this time of year, you're looking for more of the three two action, the the four three, not eight six. I know they had one in the first against the in the Battle of Alberta, but I don't know, man. I I don't know if with the score, if you looked at it, you would think that was the most exciting game ever. But I wouldn't say it was. What do you think, Borny? This. Okay, before JB, I, I just want to add, listen, the league has spent a good 20 years wanting offense. They've changed every rule that goes against defense, that goes against goaltending, that goes to the strength of scoring in this league. And now, and this now, Sammy's, now Sammy's complaining. And no, I'm not maybe complaining. I'm I'm complaining then. I'm with you, okay. Sammy. I didn't like it. Go, JB. Yeah, you know, I, I think part of what we're talking about here is influenced by the fact that it wasn't like a one-goal game or a two-goal game, even if the final score got there. It was 7 of 4. It was, yeah. you know, it, there was some runaway on the scoreboard there where you'd never, where you, you know, late in the second, you didn't feel like it was a hockey game. It didn't feel like a hotly contested match. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I enjoy... I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because you have to pay attention. Like, legit, mm. I went up to talk to my wife at one point and, like, had to rewind multiple goals when I came back. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, something is, is always going on. But, no, I, I would not say from a coaching standpoint that looked like a really well-played game. There's just glaring defensive errors and great players poised to take care of them. I don't see any way this, this series suddenly becomes a 2-1 game series. This is what it's going to be. Maybe not 8-6, but it's going to be 5-3. It's going to be like this the whole series. Let's jump right into a Kipper's Clipper here, and I want to start with the greatest offensive player in NHL history, uh, Wayne Gretzky, last night on his telecast, TNT. Now, this is this is the guy that built offense, man. This is the guy that uh, dictated that uh, I, can, I can win – by scoring some points here in, in this league and win championships. Let's get his thoughts on what he witnessed last night. 
I didn't really get an, uh, an explanation. No. At that point, uh, no. you, know, um, you know, we looked at it. Uh, we felt... Uh, did, Jay, did Jay Woodcroft turn into the greatest scorer in NHL <laughs> history last night? All right, all right, all right, all right. There, Josh. Josh, our wonderful tech guy, has now got the greatest player to ever play the game, Wayne Gretzky, on last night's contest. I wish I could have played this kind of playoff hockey in my day. I mean, teams are just two-on-ones, three-on-twos all over the ice, breakaways, breakdowns. You, you, listen, I was the most offensive player maybe to ever live. you got to play defense, man. That's how you win Stanley Cups. <laughs> like, 7-3, like, where are you trying to go to make a four-on-two? Like, I, I just really believe deep down you, to win a Stanley Cup, you got to play better defense. Okay, just before we touch on Wayne Gretzky, I just want to add that Josh Santos just made a great save better than anything we saw last night. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Okay, that that that's a guy that loves the offense. That's a guy yep. that uh, built the offense, invented the offense, and he's he's not buying into this uh playoff type of hockey at all. No. It is funny cuz like you you need to be able to score enough to win, but at some point, up 7-4 or, you know, up whatever, defend, defend, defend. I thought Darnell Nurse last night was struggling, struggling mm -hmm. to hang with some of those boys on, on Colorado Couldn't coming in hips. hot. Yeah, Jack Johnson, even Josh Manson, who I loved, didn't have his best night. Like, it just looked like a challenge to keep up with the offense coming both ways. I, I think, first of all, on that clip from the, the great one there, I think – Maybe Sean Avery's the most offensive hockey player of all time. Maybe not Wayne Gretzky. Uh, secondly, um, I listen, I'm not one to doubt the great one. Maybe he's just in a sour mood because of his son-in-law going to the, the live tour on the PGA. But uh, listen, uh -huh. this is the fifth. I put this stat in the lineup today. This is the fifth conference final game in history to feature 13 or more combined goals. The Oilers were involved in the previous four. So he played in a ton of games that looked just like this. Like, I understand it's a different era, but, like, I don't know. Like, I understand there needs to be more defense, but, like, from him, he was the most, like he said, the most offensive guy ever. I don't know if it falls on deaf ears coming from him, but it's just an interesting take by him. We got plenty to dive into the next hour here, including Jason York uh, in about uh, 15 minutes. And, uh, of course, we're going to get to that conversation of offside or not offside. Uh, plenty of uh, news and notes around the National Hockey League, a lot of it around the Montreal Canadiens announcing uh, Marty St. Louis on a new three-year deal. So we're going to get into all of that, but just to touch on uh, all this offense and no defense. And, and JB, you just mentioned uh, the, the blue lines uh, struggling, but does this just point into better goaltending will solve all of this? And Mike Smith yeah. in five career game ones now, with a goals against average, Sammy, this has got to be a typo. 6.77 no. <laughs> and an yes, 8.23 save percentage and pulled three, three times. That can't yeah. be true. Yeah, if oh, it's it not true, be. blame Stevie Fallon. <laughs> <laughs> JB, is it is it really come down to if these guys act like NHL goalies in an NHL playoff game that uh, we, we can keep these numbers down? Yeah. Well, you know, there's a part of me that likes that these are the two goaltenders because, you know, chances can turn into offense. You get rewarded for creating something because there's, there's not a ton of great saves going on. But 
I don't see it changing, as I mentioned off the top. Like, this is kind of the guy Mike Smith's been. He's so active, diving at pucks and lunging, and there's plays where shots aren't coming, and he's, you know, Denny Lemieux into the corner. Just He's just such a busy goaltender and Kemper. I don't know what was going on with Kemper. You guys think he had the poops last night? What's going on? The, my first thought is the eye. Oh, yeah? I don't know. Can he Can he see pucks as well as... He did before that injury against Minnesota. Is it still bothering him? Is it lingering? Does he have a deception issue? I, those th- those were my first thoughts. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting thought. I I hadn't thought of that either. That, I mean, Francois is no no terrible goalie, but the Kemper thing is is obviously looming large over this right now. Um, you know, it's crazy watching these teams right now. Of the sixteen playoff teams, thirteen of them have had to use at least two goalies. Obviously, the Leafs didn't, but almost everyone has gone through two goaltenders, uh, many of them three. Who can you trust right now? It's Goaltending is the – call a summit, goalies. You need a goalie summit to figure out what's going on with your position. <laughs> Everyone's hurt and no one can stop it. I, I have to say, when for the first maybe 10 minutes that Francouz or – is it Francouz or Francouz? Francouz. I, I always screw up his name. But I thought he looked better than Kemper did. For like the start of the game, Kemper was not good. That one that like hits him in the chest and Evan Bouchard pokes in, like he was not good at all. Francois comes in, looks good, and then really starts to look bad. So I don't know, man. This if let me ask you this on the other side of things with Mike Smith. After Koskinen came in, that's the best Koskinen's looked like I would say as an Oiler. I can't remember him looking better than that. Or do you have any temptation if you're the the Jaybird Woodcroft to put him in game two? Did uh, the morning show on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and, of course, uh, J.D. was all over this, that uh, Mike Smith doesn't start game two, and I I don't see that for one second. No chance it's Koskinen in game two. No chance. Okay. Uh, for, for me, it's about the ceiling. Like, you need a guy who can get weird hot, like Mike Smith. Like, Koskinen, if you're Colorado, you're like, oh, do it. Put in Miko Koskinen. I do Dare right. you? That's a great point. <laughs> Who know? would they rather go against? Yeah. Definitely Koskinen. Yeah, I think so. And and Mike Smith has done enough for you since Jake Woodcroft came in. And you've touched on their record being one of the best in the National Hockey League since Jay Woodcroft came in. A lot of that can fall on the shoulders of Mike Smith and a much more consistent Mike Smith. You do not start Mike Smith in, in, in game two. What are you telling him? What is the message early in this series about where uh, you're confident in him? And if if you need to go back to him, it may be too late. You may lose him, you know, mentally. Uh, And I don't think Jay Woodcroft can take that chance. No, I, I, I'm with you there. I, I, You know, with the injuries thing, Kipper, one thing I wanted to add with goaltenders is I wonder if the way the hockey is now, if it's harder for goalies to stay healthy, given all the speed and the cross-crease action and the, you know, you, you look at how mm-hmm. Antiranta got hurt, you know, this sort of desperation you have to play with an activity. I wonder if it's just harder to stay healthy as a goaltender now today. Um, but Mike Smith, to your point, uh, healthy now. He missed two months during the regular season. But while they have him healthy, he's going to be their guy. Yeah, or okay. it's just uh, a lack of talent right now collectively amongst these guys. I, I, J. 
JB, I, I look at it, I, I can't ever recall seeing so many goalies around the National Hockey League uh, struggling. And two, two contrasting series where you've watched everything outside of a Tampa Bay and New York Rangers scenario, and you're like, okay, now we got to, not only do we have only four teams left, two of them, have two of the best goalies in the National Hockey League in Vasilevsky and Shesterkin. And what the rest is the value of, them, of that? And the rest of them are swimming in, in goaltending issues. Like, literally. Hey, you know, we talked going into the playoffs about who you trust, and we were down to those two, and I think we said Jacob Markstrom, who is no good. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, as I mentioned, they need a real summit. Come together, goaltenders. Figure out your situation. The shooters are, are running away with it. All right, let's. Yes. Speaking let's do of it. swimming, let's dive right into maybe the, one of the most controversial calls I can remember in quite some time, and the the shock value on the disallow or on 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 the on the decision not to disallow Kale McCarr's goal. I love in this because I truly of, don't know your opinion. I love this. In in terms of zero to ten. Where do you put your surprise face on? In the moment? Like, after the they moment. made the call? Full 10. Full 10, full 10. Yeah. 100 out of 10 here. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> like, I actually was like, I, I let out a sound. Yeah. And why was that? Well, because visibly in the replays we were seeing, it appeared to be on Kale McCarr's stick. There was a player in the zone. In my understanding, over 39 and a half years as a hockey watcher, that is offside. However, okay. things did no. change. <laughs> in my so, – I listen, go ahead, I sent a tweet to Borny last night. I can't convince myself in my sensibilities of watching hockey my whole life, I can't convince myself that's not offside. I can't sit here and be like, oh, well, no, like, that is offside. But by the weird gray area that the NHL loves, it's not. I, it's just, I can't convince myself, fellas. Let's have Kipper. Okay, so now, here we are waking up in the morning. We've heard, you know, the explanations and where the league was and how it was uh, reiterated uh, last night uh, through Sportsnet and, and TNT. I thought Frege did a great that, job breaking it down. What's that? I thought Frege did a great job of breaking it down. And, and yeah, kind but of that's to after the fact. Me. Yeah, for With sure. With all due respect, that's after the fact. The question I ask is, at that moment, who knew the rule and who didn't? If you're asking me, I did not. I did not. I I, I want to say it's a, it's a gray issue. I think you we all knew the rule. We just didn't know that it would pertain in that specific okay, so moment. I want to clarify because I agree. I did know, um, you know, some of the other examples of it. I understood those, and so I guess I knew it. Yes. It, it, it doesn't look the same to me because Makar is not doing it on purpose. But you, we, we got lazy. Sportsnet got lazy. TNT got lazy. We all got lazy because we focused on on the feet and we did not go to that rule which we subconsciously knew right we know of the rule it's a tag up rule yeah the 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 thing is it's not it's not blatantly obvious in that little 
square, that little sample size that we had last night, we didn't connect the dots that this is just a smaller version of the tag-up rule. Well, and part of it and was blurred because of the replay angle. That's where the problem lied, is that at the time, we all focused on the feet, and then we were all caught off, gra- uh, off guard when, when they made the announcement. And then it's the hearsay. Then it's once it's explained to Elliot, once it's explained to everybody else, then all of a sudden the facts come out. Um, and, and Elliot made the point that the, the one angle that you were talking about, JB, showed that he, he it almost looked like he was touching the puck. It did. The, the other angle, it was clear he didn't touch mm-hmm. the puck. Right. And at one point in, in all this, Elliot mentioned, we need to stop showing that angle because it does look like this, the puck is just climbing the yeah. blade and it's on the top of the blade or the but, lower shaft. But I have such a problem with the spirit of this. Well, that's, that's what I am pissed off about. Because yeah, that's I just know. such a stupid rule. He well, obviously has possession. Just because the puck rolled on him for one second, that means it's not offside. It's just, a, if I'm an Oilers fan, I would be livid. It's a stupid rule. Sure, it's the right call, but it's really, really dumb because it's like, it's kind of like in baseball when the guy pops off the base a little bit. That's exactly what it is. It's like, like, well, that's that's, oh, he's out because he came off the base for a millisecond. It's so stupid. He had possession of the puck. It just rolled on him for a second. So what are we going to do now, Sammy? We're going to go back in the rule book and we're going to say this one's written this way, but the intent is this way. Which one do you want? You want written or you want intent on all the rules, Sammy? Here's where, here's where this gets I know murky, you're, though, you're boys. bang on, though, Kip. I don't know. No, but here's where it gets murky because in the description of, of this tag-up rule, what one of the unnecessary bits of language is whether when the player touches the, the puck or plays the puck and then it says or attempts to play the puck. It says at one point, attempts. Like, he's clearly attempting to. I know with tag up, it's a touch of the puck. That's how it's always been called. But there's some language in there that's really giving something for Edmonton fans to point to and say, well, he's clearly attempting to play it. When do you blow that down with all that vagueness? Can we... I want to hear... Oh, yeah, listen, we, we should play the Jay, we should play the Jaybirds uh, yeah, let's play, clip on it. The second let's go one. To head the coach second Jay one. Jaywood Crops on his explanation. Well, the one. I, I think control is a discretionary kind of uh, discretionary um, thought process. Um, you know, I think it's not as if the player. Uh, knew someone was tagging up, lifted his stick up, waited for it, and then went back. He's under full control. And anyone that's carrying a puck over a blue line, whether your stick is on the puck or not, you know, that's that's debatable. In the end, as I said, uh, those things happen in hockey. you got to get over it. We, uh, we talked about that. Ultimately, we didn't get the kill. But uh, that's not why we won or lost the game. Wow. Big man on that. I hadn't heard that. I, but yeah, he may be right, swing. but uh, it was a pivotal moment in the. <laughs> it's why you game. lost the game. <laughs> you know, you might if you really connect the dots. A lot of things changed after that uh, decision. Yeah, well, they they got to open it up a little bit. They get scored on again. All right, I want to now. I want to go into JB your wheelhouse right now because mm. once upon a time. You were in that video room. Yes. Making, at times, maybe uh, tough decisions. Yep. Where is the accountability now 
on the Edmonton Oilers video guy who made the decision. And my question to him today is, did you know that rule? Because if you didn't, then I got serious issues with you. You know, I, I know Elliot mentioned last night that he heard from a couple of video coaches, and I, and I did too. And what yeah, I after heard, the fact, everybody yeah, can yeah, be yeah. a genius after the fact. Well, and all these geniuses, all these geniuses after the fact, claim to have known the rule. Yeah, and and claim that it was you know it was not something that they would have challenged. I, so they, then, yes, even... the guy's on the hook, right? Yeah, I I I, I don't know. I call. I call those video coaches, yeah, right. Okay, yeah, after the fact. You're sitting on your couch, you're having a big pizza on your third beer, and you're the genius now that wouldn't have called it. <laughs> I think you got it. Go ahead, Sammy. But it's – if I'm a video coach, I determine watching the replay, and you have to watch it fast, you have to make a snap decision. In my estimation, he has possession of the puck. Yeah. He is skating over – like, I still think – he has possession of the puck. Well, he does have possession, but he's not touching to it. That's the difference. Yeah. I know, which is an insane rule. It's insane. so Sammy, absurd. Like the, the video the video coaches would have had both those angles. Yeah, both. you know. They got so, the four screen with the Hawkeye camera. They they're getting the looks. You the bottom line is as a video coach in that scenario, you better know the rule. And I'm I'm not I'm not saying I know for sure what he was thinking or if he di- if he did or didn't know the rule but mm-hmm. uh it it seems to me like it, there's a good possibility much like Sportsnet and TNT and all the rest of us at home you were just focusing on the obvious and that well, was it, the I was feat. And and with that Kipper I want to know if that linesman had that rule in mind as he watches it, and he's making the estimation that it's not on Makar's blade, and that's why he's waiting. Like we're uh, talking millimeters that it's not on Makar's. No, blade. this this has nothing. This has nothing to do with uh, the the linesman. No, disagree, disagree. No, why? I mean as Makar kills, uh, as Kale Makar carries that in, if he's yeah. touching it, if it's in contact with his blade, it's offside and should be blown dead. So yeah. the ref or the linesman would have had to look at that and say, I think there's some separation there. I'm not going to blow this down. Yeah, but but I, I was just speaking in, in terms of having the final decision oh, okay. on goal yeah, yeah. or no goal. That fell on the video uh, room, not the linesman. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So I just I, meant to I, not I, call I it he, in the moment. I think he didn't get called in the moment because he, he thought he, he tagged up. He thought he was mm. – I, th- I think he thought that uh, he came out in time. If he blows that dead – None of us were. No one flinches. Like uh, the thing said, that wasn't offside. The tag up rule. Like everyone just like moves on, right? Yes, mm-hmm. correct. If he would have blown it down, then right or wrong, that would have been the call and and no goal. All right, let's bring in Jason York. We haven't talked to him in a while, and uh, he's always got plenty to say on the Real Kipper and Born Show. Yorkie, how are you, pal? Hey, Kipper. I. Uh... I was just listening to you guys, too. I, I like how you explain that, and, and I agree with you. If, if that's blown down right away, it, it's a non-issue. Nobody argues it. Nobody talks about it, and, and we move on. Um, but, yeah, be, be, because they went to review, that's the thing. When you when you put everything into slow motion, like, like when we watched, we've all watched this replay a thousand times, yep. 
it, it changes because real time and slow motion time is not the same. So you can say, yeah, it, it, it's good because he tagged up. But when you teach kids from a young age to carry the puck now, it's a forward push on your backhand with one hand on your stick. And that really is control of a puck. But, again, it's slow motion. You dumb it down, and, and you can make the argument, and that's exactly what happened. And and uh, it's, it's unfortunate for the Edmonton Oilers um, because in, in real time, that's offside. Like yeah. that is that is offside in real time. But uh, you slow it down, and, and, you, and you can make a case and point for it. Yeah, Yorkie. The best example or best comparison or way to explain it I heard was to think of it like Makar's dumping the puck in and hasn't recovered the dump yet. Like until he touches yep. that puck, they're not to blow it. Anyway, it, it's all a bit of a schmozzle. I, I mean, exactly. you're. It is. Like, do you think these video reviews are, are helping? Like, can we ever go back to just getting more calls wrong for the speed of the game? I, I you know, I get, it's, it's all because of, we can all blame, was it Matt Duchesne when he was about 30 feet yes. offside? <laughs> yes. That, that's yeah. why we're here, because it was embar- that was an embarrassing moment for the league, and that's exactly why we're here. I can remember calling games up in the booth, and – you get these five-minute delays. The only thing I do like, guys, and I and I was crying for this back back when they were, were doing this, is if you're going to challenge a penalty or, or a play and you're wrong, then you're getting a penalty. I'm really glad they have that. Otherwise, could you imagine how long the games would take if, if there wasn't a, a repercussion for, for challenging plays all the time? So I am glad for that, that you get a two-minute penalty. But still, I, I like having some human error in the game. I, I like to have, you know, we let the refs off the hook a little too easy. I, I want them to, hey, if, if you screw up a call, uh, then it's on you. Now we've got re- video re- replay and stuff. And, you know, I get it. We want to get it right. But I, I'm a little old school where I, I like a little bit of human error involved. You know, the whole thing with the National Hockey League, and they must just be doing backflips because of last night's uh, exhibition of it, but it's to create more goals. How many how many goals do we lose on regular offside plays when a player is just a, an inch over over the line and it really has no bearing on the play, you know? So, you know, the other thing too, Yorkie, is, you know, every year we go into training camp, we get a video. This year, it's going to be on cross-checking. The next one's going to be on head hits. So blah, 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 blah. These guys put out a video at the beginning of the year outlining these examples to everybody, including video coaches. They blow, they blow it up. They highlight it. They had examples of what happened last night. And again... Does this fall on a video coach right now who did not know the rule? Yeah, great point. And and just to go back to what you said earlier there, Kipper, can we not just leave the game alone? Are are we not to a point where the game is great and and every year we're we're relearning things? The best change we ever did was you you go back to when uh, the can opener was taken out, the the blatant obstructions, but quit just the best games are when you don't notice the officials. When you have a playoff game and at the end of the night you say, man, rest did a good job. Why? Because I didn't notice them. Last night in that game, Colorado was in control of that hockey game. 
And there's been too many nights this year in the playoffs where I noticed the officials. And I thought that was an awful call on Gabriel Landis-Cock last night. I don't think Edmonton had a, had a shot for about, or any kind of control. But then you're giving a team a power play when they have no business being in the game. And it totally changed the momentum of the hockey game. After that call was made, there were about five picks, three holdups, which were the same thing. But you didn't have a player like like Connor uh, put his arms up in the air and say, yeah, I was obstructed with it. And I get it. He's the best player in the game. You want him playing. But, my God, this playoffs, guys, how many times have the refs made marginal calls that have had impacts on hockey game? Like that New York Rangers series, I could count about five times where there was calls where I'm like, really? You're going to call that in a playoff game with this much skin on the line? I just, for me, maybe I'm nitpicking, but I just think the the referees, are, they're overmanaging these games and they're just nitpicking. Let the guys play. Like, you're, you're calling the blatant stuff. You're calling stuff where they need to be called, but don't call stuff that, that has yeah. impact, impact in a game where, like, really, that call last night, like, come on. Uh, Edmonton had no business being in that game. You know, Yorkie, can we just go back to just the first decision for video goal review? And exactly where where have we gone since there? And we talked about it back then. We said, what is next and how far do you want to yeah. go? It's like it's like that guy who says, oh, I'm just going to get one tattoo. <laughs> the next thing you know, he's looking like Dennis Rodman, you know? Oh, God. Yeah. Just no low back tattoos. Man, I hate those. The low back <laughs> tattoos. It's just, it's just oh, God. Yorkie, do you feel any different about Colorado or Edmonton after watching that game last night? Do you, do you feel like these guys are, are more or less legitimate cup contenders after a football score? <laughs> you know what? Um, I loved the game. I, I loved all the scoring. The one thing I did pick out of that, Warney, and I know you're 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 a student of the game. Everybody thought Colorado was going to be in trouble when they lost Sam Girard. How good has Bowen Byron been? Like he 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 is. What is he? Twenty years old. He stepped in. He's playing twenty minutes a night. And, and look, Kale McCarr is, is is outstanding. We love him. We're all talking about him. I don't think enough people are talking about Bowen Byron. I think he's been incredible. And, I'm and with you. you. Look, when you look at both of those teams, and this is what it's going to come down to for me in this series, Colorado's defense compared to Edmonton, I don't think it's close. You got the stars. You got McKinnon. You got McDavid. You got Rantanen. You got Dreisaitl. Um, I think they're a little deeper, Colorado, but I really love that group of defenders for, for Colorado. Number one, I don't think Edmonton's D are going to be able to defend against Colorado's firepower. There's just too much. But Byron has come in. And he has really solidified that top that top four for Colorado. I, I just think he, for his age, his experience, I know he was the captain of that Team Canada, but, man, he is going to be a superstar in the National Hockey League. I think he's going to turn out being the best player from that 2019 draft. I have been so impressed with him. We're talking to Jason York, former NHLer and Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada analyst. When you look at the path that Edmonton has had since coming in, L.A. Kings, no Drew Doughty, Calgary, great season by committee on the blue line, but no, no real threat, no, no one 
elite defenseman to face and and maybe their, their best most complete defenseman uh wasn't available in, in Chris Tanev. Now yep. all of a sudden Edmonton's up against a Kale McCarr um and and some of these young kids and it's a, it's a different feel isn't it JB? Yeah, hey, and, and, and Borny and Kipper, here, here's my thing, and I did a lot of Calgary games this year. I, I, I covered the Flames quite often, and it was, I agree with you, it was, it was defense by committee. They had that great line. But I think that first line, that first round matchup, like you said, no Drew Doughty, but for Calgary, they weren't fast enough to play against the Edmonton Oilers. You look at their forward group, uh, they play the right way, they're always on the right side of the puck, they play Daryl Sutter hockey, but you look at Johnny Goudreau, who is the best player for the Calgary Flames. Great season, great player. And he and a lot of what he does is based on speed. But here's the problem. McDavid's faster than him. Dreisaitl's stronger, stronger than him. So if your number one player is not as good as the other team's number one player, you've got a problem. And, and it's not even close, too. And, and it's not fair. Connor McDavid is Connor McDavid. But it just—it was a bad matchup for me. I don't like the, the overall team speed of the Calgary Flames, and I just think as that as that series went on, Edmonton was just they, they they overwhelmed Calgary with their team speed. And the end of the day, too, Markstrom wasn't good enough. Like I, I thought, he really let the Flames down in that series. Yeah. So Yorkie tonight goes uh, the other conference final, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, and the New York Rangers. Um, you know, a lot of us feel like Tampa Bay, the the clearly better team here. Do you see a way that the Rangers are able to surprise them? Before you answer, let let me give a, a weird stat here: the last seven series where a team that has been swept has played a team that went seven games has seen the team that went seven games win the first game. Seven times in yeah. a row, the team that went the distance is lost to the team that swept. Uh, so the Rangers, uh, an argument for the Rangers tonight that maybe could surprise Tampa with one. Do, do you see any way they t- surprise them in the whole series? Well, I do. Look, look at Shesterkin. Like, <laughs> there's reason number one, Borny. Like, I, I thought they were played. The Pittsburgh Penguins outplayed them. They got lucky because Crosby got hurt. And I thought Carolina had played them, but Carolina's power play was awful, and they don't have a number one goalie. Uh, so you look at Shesterkin, he can win a series for them. I, I think he's that good. I've been so impressed with him. Uh, I, I, I don't think on uh, on paper the Rangers – I look at the top players. I look at Zibanejad, and I look at Panarin. Uh, I know Zibanejad has a lot of points, but five-on-five, five, I don't find these guys – tough guys to play against. I, I just, and that Rangers team overall, I think the only way they have a chance in this series is, is Shesterkin. He plays lights out again because um, I just, I don't find them an elite team. I think a lot of things have gone their way. They've got great goaltending, power play, timely goals. Are they going to get that against Tampa? Um, oh boy, that's, that's going to be tough. I like Tampa in this series. I just think uh, they're a tougher team to play against. Uh, goaltending, they've got Vasilevsky. And I look at their blue line. I think they've got the best blue line in the National Hockey League. When you can throw out Victor Hedman, Ryan McDonough, and then you got Sergachev back there, like that's a pretty good top three. Like Victor Hedman, to me, all-around defenseman, as much as I like Kale McCarr, as much as I like Adam Fox, I still take Victor Hedman in a best-of-seven. Overall defenseman, defensively, offensively, I still think he's the best defenseman in the game. Yorkie and and just big, just 
big? And big. what is big? What is what does big mean today? And you know, some of the teams, and I think Kyle Dubas got caught in this for the Leafs in his early years, is skill, skill, skill. Five foot nine, yeah. five foot ten. I don't care. You can't feel the same way watching Tampa Bay beat him in the first round. Well, here's the thing. I watched Mitch Marner play against Victor Hedman. Okay, Mitch is a great possession player, holds the puck, makes nifty plays. Did you see them try and chip the puck by Victor Hedman? He just pivots, puts his body in the way. It's like a man playing against a boy. You can't get the puck away from him. And he plays 30 minutes a night. Like, good luck trying to play that. You know, Kipper, you're coming down a defenseman. You try and chip it by him and, and beat him to the loose puck. Hedman's never going to lose that race. He's too big. He's too strong. And he skates like an elite defender. Uh, unfortunately, there's just not a, a lot of Victor Hedman's that grow on trees. No. Tampa, Tampa's got him. And that guy, to me, like, he, he can, you know, with him and Vasilevsky and McDonough, their forwards, I'd really like to know what's going on with Braden Point right now because he's a guy, um, I know some guys stepped up in his place, but, wow, if you get him healthy, I think this could be a very short series. Just one more, one more uh, question on uh, on your point on uh, on Hedman, not Braden, uh, is on the other side there's Adam Fox, and here's a guy that can control a game. Here's a guy that can uh, yeah. uh, certainly uh, light it up uh, offensively, but can you go pound him now if you're Tampa Bay Lightning, like other teams have failed to do the same thing against Victor Hedman? I think Fox is really smart. You can try. Um, I, I, he plays. I, I, I think him and Hedman play very similar games. He's just obviously not as big. That's going to be their game plan because Fox is out there all game long. Chip pucks behind him, make him go back and get the puck. Have your big guys. Have your big guys take the body on him, but you know it's tough. Defensemen like that, you can try. Um, that's going to be the game plan. Um, he just coming off a seven game series, but uh, I man, I, I think he's one of the best in the league, Fox. They're going to try, um, but uh, it's going to be real tough. Well, I get to see it firsthand. Uh, real Kipper and Bourne sending me on an assignment to, to cover the first. Are you going on? Are you going on? Tra- you're going to be live. Oh, good for you, Kipper. That's your old <laughs> stomping ground too. Oh, show boy. us a big budget now, Yorkie. We're sending <laughs> Kipper to games. <laughs> oh, that's good. I am very envious right now, Kipper. Bourne, you're not going. You know, we couldn't afford two tickets, so uh, we just sent the headliner, Yorkie. Uh, the Rangers are sending them. Well, All right, I buddy. Like, I, I know why Kipper's going. I know it's going to be going on in New York City. Like, come on. I wasn't born yesterday. Oh, and I'm <laughs> riding right. more coattails. No question about that. Jason York, thanks for joining us, man. Always fun with you. Well, enjoy the trip, and good talking to you guys. Thanks, All Yorkie. right, Jason York, everybody. Former National Hockey Leaguer doing a great job for Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. All right, JB, we're ready to break. Anything you want to add? No, just that I'm excited uh, to see your involvement at the hockey game this evening. (laughs) I'll leave it there. We'll see if we can get some little Buddha cocktails in the concession uh, stands. uh, 9 a.m. show, Kipper. 9 a.m. show time, pal. <laughs> yeah, All right. just set your alarm tonight, will you? Before you go out? <laughs> will do, will do. Okay, Live from the China break. Club. <laughs> no China Club. I'm banned. <laughs> After the break, we'll talk about uh, the Montreal Canadiens and what's going on with their head coaching situation. Has it been rectified for the next three years? 
we say yes. We'll talk about that and more after the break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born. Please subscribe on the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Back after these messages. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee. Little Kipper and Bourne. A lot of juice today, eh, for a morning show? We're now a morning show. Yeah, I was... That was that little that that review was a nice little gift from the content gods. Something to yell at each, something to yell at each other about. Love that. I tell you what though, there's it's not a long enough show. Like there's no time to prepare in the morning. We got 13 things on our list. This is just not a long-term solution for this show. I will say this for the National Hockey League. They gave everybody, broadcasters, journalists, and of course the fans at home a whole new way to look at an offside. You will never look at feet first from here on in. You will no, look right. at puck possession and how it compares to the whole situation first. That's what's happened in the last 12 hours. Buddy, try explaining offside to your next-door neighbor who's never watched hockey and then add and needs an addendum to it with an asterisk on all this. I mean, we this is not good that it's not clearer than it is. All right, let's uh, let's take a twirl around the National Hockey League and let's start with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Marty St. Louis, brand new three-year deal. The interim is off. He is now the 32nd head coach in Montreal Canadian history. Not quite as surprising as Kale McCarr's goal being counted last night, correct? <laughs> no. I would say this was Not the least surprising news of the day. It was the least surprising news of the day. I will still say it it's still marty st louis who's never coached in the nhl or you know as an assistant or been involved like i understand the he can be a part of the turnaround for the canadians it's just i don't know it's he he doesn't have any experience so it is going to be interesting to see how it works the next few years is is he the right type of guy right now that you would look for in a perfect world um probably kip and and what did what did he tap in the most here? His his experience or his ability to communicate? But I, I look at now today's day and age, and if there isn't uh, that that level of communication, even a, even a Marty St. Louis with his resume, I'm not sure how far it goes today with today's yeah. players. If you can't uh, communicate, if you do not find a way to connect uh, with your players. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think he can do that. I think he has a passion for this. He's excited about the opportunity, and the young players that are in that system will be excited along with him, right? Like, they're, they're all kind of building and learning together. Like, I, I, if you put Joel Quenville in there tomorrow, what do you do, squeeze an extra two wins out of the 25th most talented roster? Like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. I like the idea of having Marty St. Louis to build and grow and keep the excitement w- within the Canadians organization. All right, well, Kent Hughes uh, uh, just did make news uh, yesterday or uh, with, with Marty St. Louis. Um, he also went on record, guys, uh, that said uh, he doesn't plan to uh, at least offer 
um, make a contract offer right now to Logan Mayu, who, of course, was a very controversial first-round pick for the Montreal Canadiens, but yet wasn't Ken Hughes' pick. Uh, Mm -hmm. That that, that fell on the hands of Mark uh, Bergevin. Mm -hmm. Uh, any, Any surprise there? I guess no. given the controversy around Mayu and that he wasn't their pick, he was going to have to be exceptional for them to sign him, right? Like if they were even should we, shouldn't we? If he was even in that range, there was no ch- chance they were going to do it. So I guess in the end, I'm not surprised that they're not going to sign him. So is he now a free agent, Nick? Do you know? My understanding work? is that uh, – I think in the last 24 or 48 hours that the Montreal Canadiens made him a qualifying offer, which means that uh, it's kind of like a a barrel of the, uh, the bottom of the barrel kind of offer. And all it does is enable the Montreal Canadiens to retain his rights for one more season uh, before having to make the decision of signing him or or letting him go, or possible guys, uh, Ken Hughes trades away his rights between now and then. Yeah. All right. Well, that that's a story to keep an eye on. Obviously, a uh, interesting one. Now, um, you know, it, you hate even bringing up this topic of conversation because uh, you know. Uh, but I think we need to, and, and the link, I think, when especially you're talking about Logan Mayu and, and the things that he has, he has battled and trying to get his career on, uh, on track um, since uh, distributing a, a, that sexual photo without uh, a woman's consent. And we do know mm-hmm. uh, what he's been through in the last year and how he was held accountable for it uh, from various levels. Including, As pub, uh, including public perception. Now, there's many out there that are now following or at least slowly starting to follow this this story of a few years ago where eight CHL players had uh, allegedly um, committed a, a sexual assault. And now people are going, you know, where is this? If If Logan went through what he went through, what is going on here with this story of Hockey Canada? And, of course, there was a settlement made, and it didn't appear like anybody was at least, um, you know, called out to the carpet, if that's the term we want to use, much like Logan was. Mm-hmm. And where do we think that this thing is going, guys? Where do we think that this story's going? Is this is this just going to kind of fall by the wayside, or is this... Is this brewing to be much bigger here? I I guess that depends, Kipper, what uh, the victim wants out of this. Um, You know, she reached that settlement. Is she content with what's happened here? Would she like to see further action against these guys? Uh, It's so hard for us to weigh in on, right? Because it's just we don't have the information. I don't know what happened, what didn't happen, who was involved. So it's tough to have an opinion on it outside of more work on this probably needs to be done. You know, there are still answers uh, or questions that, that need answering. And so I think it's justified that, you know, there is further pursuit of just, just yeah. what are we talking about here? Well, where do you, Sammy, where do we think the NHL should be on this? Is this something that they should be investigating hard? Should they look at this no different than a Chicago Blackhawk situation? I would imagine 
they should be and probably are. No, don't you think? You know, you you will go down the names on the you go down the names on that team, the list. I mean, there's some high-profile guys that were involved there. So it's it's a scary one for the NHL here, and I'm sure they're investigating it. Well, only time will tell, but I don't believe for one second this story is going anywhere. Okay, that's a quick hour, guys. Wow. They are. <laughs> All right. JB Sammy, thanks as always. And, of course, Jake and Jason York, who joined us. We're right back tomorrow on Real Kipper and Born. Enjoy Game 1 out of New York City tonight.